Hey there, Less Than Jays, you probably know, is a Patreon-supported podcast. That is where we make money from doing this. There is no ads in this show that we control, that we get any money from. It's it's just Patreon. that You get Jake and I out here talking about our lives, talking about ourselves, talking about baseball. If you want to give us a nod, head on over to patreon.com slash less than Jays. The $5 tier gets you extra long editions of these episodes. The one on Patreon this week is 122. And this is this is going to be about 106, I think, with this extra minute of me talking off the top added on. So you get an extra 15, 17 minutes of episode. And the $9 tier gets you extra stuff like the Jays of our live series and some extra mailbags and some extra stuff. Um, that's with this. Or just give us 3 bucks, and that's just to say, hey, we listen on the main feed, and we are happy for you. And you get the episodes early. And without this little disclaimer at the beginning, it's patreon.com slash less than Jays. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Yes, hello and welcome. It's another episode of Less Than Jays. Thank you so much, everybody, uh, for the patience. Yesterday, Jake, it should have been show day. It ended up being uh, a Sam day. It's a day where I just, from the moment I am finished my work day, uh, my day was about getting my son to settle down and go to sleep and then go to sleep myself. Those are the only other things that happened in my entire day. You know, I feel like there was a time in our lives where... Saying we were going to do something and not doing it, you know, frowned upon. But I feel sure. like when you have a very small baby. Very small. It's loud. Because he's so small. Um, yeah, it's it's the perfect, oh, it's speak, perfect for me. Speaking of small babies, here comes a cat to yell on the show again. Perfect. <laughs> Love that. Uh, it's perfect for me as somebody who, as you sort of outlined there, chronically... Uh, not showing up for things for more than a decade and a half of my life. Um, but I will say, in, in no way is that is that the cause of yesterday. And everybody understands. Listen, we, we, we do this show ourselves. We are two guys just doing a show because we like talking to each other. We like talking about baseball. Um, so thank you, everybody, for not being too upset that they did shows a day late. Yeah, and it happens. And you're, uh, you're, busy. you're very busy. Yes, I am. You have it's, a child. Yeah. Um, and I've seen, I'll get into this later, people, 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 they message me, Jake, they rave about the, the uh, mental difficulties that I'm going through. People are raving about it, saying this is uh, more and more and more, they say, mine it, right? They say, give it to us. This is what the show is for us, is uh, wading through the half-baked baseball conversation to get to the very core of my being as both a person and a father. <laughs> I would say that the baseball talk is at least two-thirds baked. It's getting more and more baked by the day. Uh, how about that for a fact? Um, and I'm going to get into that in a, we'll get into the personal stuff in a few minutes. But, Jake, the baseball, uh, as we are, as you mentioned there, offhandedly. Close your eyes, everybody. Jake, close your eyes. People listening to this, close your eyes and try to imagine a world in which you were worried about the Blue Jays' offense. Laughable. <laughs> Laughable. Not only the Blue Jays offense, but people like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Alejandro Kirk. Bo Bichette. Teoscar Hernandez. Everybody. Everybody's hitting. It's amazing. Not only uh, is it hilarious that anyone, including myself, was worried for even a second, but uh feels... It feels nice that it's all... It, it, it's exactly what we expected. They started hitting exactly. really well, and now they're unstoppable. Um, with, with, you know, hitting really well with... Listen, getting more often than not, uh, getting the pitching, getting getting incredible outings from uh, Ross Stripling stepping into the rotation as the fifth starter and being all you could possibly want and more, giving you, you know, 50-some pitches and five scoreless innings. 
uh, regularly getting long outings from Manoa, regularly getting long outings from Kikuchi, regularly getting uh, you know great performances through f basically everybody in the rotation. We have we had some um, consternation in the last week about Kevin Gosman, which we'll dip into a little bit, but. You know, and no, basically no left-handed reliever to speak of in the in the in the bullpen. Uh, incredible, incredible run here as it is. I think it is what eleven of fourteen, uh, nine and one in the last ten. Everything coming up, Blue Jays. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. There's definitely a there's a couple things that we will get into that I could nitpick as small concerns. Let's try our best to wait. I feel yeah. like we do. I feel like we are fast to do that. I agree. Know? And so I'm going to start us off with some numbers that you know, feel pretty good. Uh, in that 11 of 14 streak, so the last two weeks of baseball, our Blue Jays rank first in the majors in average, OBP, slugging, OPS, home runs, and chase rate. That awesome. is hard, hard to ask for more than that, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good at bats all the way around. I don't, I don't like, and Alejandro Kirk hasn't had a bad at bat in like a month and a half. Um, <laughs> Espinal, too. The offense. The offense. Anytime there's two days of content about anything in this team's offense, they it basically immediately that it, it, has, it has come to pass and then gone the other direction. Alejandro Kirk, if you remember, at the beginning of the previous month, was, it was like, oh, he's, he's, not uh, striking out and he's walking a, a lot and he hasn't hit for any extra base power at all. Now he's absolutely hammering everything. Uh, there was sort of a discussion that opposite field home runs and opposite field hits with the way that the ball was in the last little bit were sort of not as important as they were. Uh, we've seen just this week the Blue Jays suddenly start muscling things the other way as well as pulling things. Um, you know, for all the talk and, and obviously the Danny Jansen news happened overnight, so we have that as a benefit of the podcast being a day late, but the best the best catching rotation in the entire major leagues, uh, doing all of this while while uh, Vlad was sort of scuffling, while Matt Chapman was sort of underperforming, while Bo Bichette was was having a bad start to the year. So, boy, this last month, every time there's been a question about the offense, it has been answered and then some. I think what's very encouraging for me well, there's two things that are very encouraging for me about the Blue Jays. Um, chances going forward. Uh, one is the fact that there are six playoff spots and only five teams above 500 in the major league in the American League. Right. Uh, which, like, I think you could argue that they're basically in a playoff spot now. Like, yes. in, like in September. I mean, like they're. I had uh, I had somebody on on the weekend. The one game they lost in the last two weeks. Somebody was in uh, a thread I was in. Because of the sunglasses, the the right, yes, Vladdy and Teoscar didn't have sunglasses and misplayed <laughs> two balls, and they ended up losing by two. Uh, he was very mad. People get mad, and and the, the the refrain from that person was like, "How many games did they miss the playoffs by last year?" And the answer is one game, but also with the extra playoff game, it, it, it with the extra playoff spot, pardon me, it's like they would have made the playoffs. It would have right, it would exactly. it would have only been by one game, but they would have made it. So um, I think they're obviously better than they were last year. And there we talked before sort of the cold snap that they went through about the pace they are playing at and they're back up to playing to a high 90 win pace and it still feels like again they have improvements to go they still have a, a bat to add and bullpen pieces to add so um boy it's it's good watching every night it's funny you, know, you and i talked uh i want to say it was i believe it was before the i think we've had this discussion twice we had once before the 2017 season and we had it a lot before the 2020 season, before uh, COVID happened. And we talked, had the conversation a few times about maybe they're not a division-winning team. Maybe they're not a great team, but are there enough good, mediocre to good teams in the American League to keep them out of the playoffs? And that was always kind of the refrain with the Blue Jays. And... It's kind of nice. I won't like. I understand that the lack of competition in the league is bad. Bad for the sport. Great for us. But <laughs> I think it's. Kind I don't of, care about the health of the. Oh sport. no, I don't care. <laughs> to, be, to be frank. Oh no, and to be <laughs> also to be frank, I'm not suggesting that that matters. But I recognize no, for sure. I recognize it's not competitive as I'd like. But I do think that it's kind of nice 
that after all these years of saying maybe there's not enough good teams, etc., that there aren't enough good teams when the Blue Jays are really good. That feels nice. Right. The other thing and a giant safety net. A, yeah, a giant huge. safety net. The other thing that feels nice and sort of ties into this and why and the safety net and the being confident and all that is we have been sitting here for the last two months talking about oh if they can just get both sides of the coin working well together. Yes, then, I feel we, we feel like we are way ahead of the pack. Basically, week one being like they're going to go on a streak, yeah. almost exactly like this. And it's very encouraging to me because we've seen this with good teams in Toronto and not, where things come together, but it just still it's just one of those years, and it, like they still can't get it done. So it's very nice to see that what, all those improvements that they needed to make over the last couple of months once they were made and. Really, as you pointed out a couple weeks ago, the improvements are just good hitters start hitting. And once right, that, and that's exactly what's happened. That's exactly what happened. And they've won 11 to 14. Like, outside of the obvious statement of like, oh, if they hadn't won as many games, I wouldn't feel as good, which like, yes. But yeah. the fact that it all came together and it also coincided with that run that we've been sort of predicting for a few weeks now makes me feel very nice and very comforted by the team and... I feel like the had the struggle sort of been pushed back a month, maybe, and they had been good, and then they had this ex- the exact same struggles they just had for the last month. They're in a bit. I think it wouldn't have felt as panicky because now, if they go through another couple weeks in I don't know July, say, where they struggle to hit again and they they're not getting it done, I feel like it would be a lot easier to take game by game calmly because now we've seen them now we know that this is who they are so to speak and Um, those slumps just happen and they're still the team we thought they were going into the season it's just a matter of guys getting in rhythm and guys getting healthy and and all of those things sort of happening a big thing for it for, for me is and this is speaking colloquially and not i'm not going to look up sort of records but I you know already know the one run games they've already won so many games where it feels like in a quote unquote normal year set up like 2020 is they would have lost them just even just even just last year we talked about this a couple times so I won't spend too much on it but just the starting the year with an even competent bull, bullpen how important that was it, it, through the month of April and in the beginning of May and we talked about it a couple episodes ago about how they were winning games they maybe didn't deserve to win. Uh, they did win so many of those. They never really went fully into the ditch. Like they haven't had like two week stretch where it was where they were losing games as well as uh, you know they they were losing but they weren't getting swept. They basically haven't had what's happened to the Angels right where they lose fifteen games in a row all of a sudden they have to fire the manager. Um, <laughs> they weathered that storm with 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 ha- getting good pitching every night. And as great as the offense and as much as the offense is carrying them right now, and that's the most fun thing to watch with the way this team is constructed, a, a real nod for me for the just having the competent pitching up and down uh, at the beginning of the year. Raw Stripling is sort of the perfect example of this. Is like, you know, a lot of the time you think about losing a starting pitcher, and it happens to a lot of teams all the time, but th- that can doom a team really easily. They have the sixth starter going in, they have the seventh starter going in, even not necessarily in playing Stripling, but in that, you know, other years, if they weren't ready to be a contender, you'd be calling up somebody from AAA or you'd be trying to force Pearson back before he was ready and you'd like, like, oh man, we need this extra rotation spot because we need every single game. Uh, being able to plug in Stripling there and also use him in ninth innings and also use him in fifth innings and also use him as the fifth starter and get reliable innings every time, that's such a, a sign of the depth and the the way that the pitching staff has been uh, put together, and as I said, the same about the about the relievers. There has been obviously there have been games with those blowups, but there's basically nobody that was getting regular time that you're like, oh my god, this guy. Like there was a couple, but generally it's a it's a pretty darn uh, capable bullpen. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to find it now. Uh, one of the Jays guys had a really good point. Uh, right before Stripling pitched uh, in place of Ryu. And just listing some of the guys that the Blue Jays have thrown out as fifth starters, as you were saying, before they were contenders. And it's all just like, not even remember some guy 
got names. Like they're just, just. Br- I remember brutal driving around in 2019, and the radio shows had to do segments like when this team is competing and confident again. Is Jacob Waggis back in the rotation? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, here we go. This is it, no. It was from Keegan. He's Nick Tepish. Mike Housechild, Crazy. Tim Kohler, Ryan Firebrand, Cesar Valdez. They were the starters. And Keegan's point was having Stripling there to sort of be the when you need him guy, be confident. Not only is it useful to have, like, here's another fifth starter, obviously, but as Keegan pointed out, it saves a spot on the 40 man. It keeps sort of yep. clubhouse synergy together, so to speak. Whether or not you want to argue that's a real thing or not, that's fine. But, like, it's, you know, it's what we were talking about a little while ago when we were talking about sort of the lack of bench depth offensively. And we were saying how, like, yeah, no team except the Dodgers has, like, another full stable of guys on the bench. But good teams have a few guys that they can go to to get it done from a depth perspective. And Stripling is proving to be that pitching-wise. Yeah, and as we said, I think from from before the season, and I don't I don't want to say it every single week, but the weaknesses are so easily addressable. Yeah, they're the kinds of things that you can go and get at any time. So, and I saw I, that fills me with a lot of. Opposition. I forget who again uh, might have been Keegan again. I forget, but uh, someone on Twitter was talking about uh, the catcher platoon and how uh, good, obviously, as we would say, as you were saying, Alejandro Kirk has been. And when he is healthy, Danny Jansen has also been excellent. And does that now change sort of the trade targets for mm. what you're looking offensively? Like we were talking last week, how I was, I'm all about the big, beefy first base right. hit a ball deep guy. But now, if you are, if you have Kirk kind of in that role when Jansen's healthy, absolutely, does that now? switch the priority to okay no just go and get a left-handed outfield bat yeah for me for me it does and it, i know a lot, it really strongly does and i know a lot of people were possibly including you were already sort of on that train but it certainly has changed or at least given me yeah. pause for what i think they should go out and do i think i think the last time we talked about this we sort of met in the middle where it was like they should get both is sort yeah. of the answer the true answer is they should get both but i do i did see it um kirk for me has changed that equation a little bit we will see depending on the jansen injury and this is sort of what i wanted to get to before we get um to to future thinky there is sort of a, a short-term thing gabriel moreno who we've talked about all year and um, you know, the, the third catcher story was basically since the McGuire trade for Collins, who is currently back on the team, these have been, it's been one of the recurring storylines in terms of lineup construction, because again, as second base was before the season started, one of the few places where there is, um, you know, questions and answers versus everything else is sort of locked in at this point. I think we're probably a ticking clock. I wouldn't be surprised if the next time we record a show together, Gabriel Moreno was on this team. Really? You think it'll be within a yeah, week? Yeah, I do. I think I think they would have called him up right away, but they don't know for sure about Jansen. And I think if they get a... If the answer is, to me, if he's out for anything more than uh, four weeks, then they're going to call up Moreno, is sort of my guess. Wow. I mean... I don't know. I'm because you have to. You have to know. You can't. You can't. Right. Like, okay, we'll bring him up. We'll bring him up after the trade deadline. It's like you. You have to know before that deadline. Right. Because if what he comes, you have there. Right. I guess he's sort of what we're, and that ties into what we're saying of like the, is he he's the Kirk thing? Is he going to be a bench piece that is useful for, when they? Well, need for me, it's 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 more like if you're if you're doing Kirk as the beefy hitter guy. Um, you need to have a catcher there, and and you'd like I think you'd like to, you'd like Moreno to be able to be that guy. Yeah, you, and you I would like that to be a guy that can catch. And I guess we have and let Kirk we, DH. We have proved this year that Zach Collins is not that guy. A couple pinch hits here and there, but be, but you know all 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 fun and games aside, um, we're in we're into June here. If it's, it's, this is the yeah. the Moreno clock is we're we're at it, and he's. Maybe he'll play well. He hasn't had, he only had one home run. So he's played well at Triple He's hitting 323. Like, it's nothing. Yeah. The power is maybe Absolutely. a question. But and he's thrown out, uh, thrown out 54% of his runners. So, yeah, I guess it is. 
I don't know. I I, I think it's, I would be surprised. I'm still maybe I'm just not into June brain yet. It's June, baby. But I'm I'm still I'm surprised to hear you say within the next week. I won't lie. We're a week into it's not just June. We're a yeah. week into June. We're what? It's like almost mid. Three weeks away from real trade talks to start. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I mean, again, this isn't a. This isn't a. Of you know, a, a Vladdy Bo thing where the guy's nineteen. Like he's 20, he's twenty two. It, it would be starting the clock, but um, you know, we talked about this with Ryan Barucki. You and I talked, and I, I think something else I wanted to talk about was like the Ryan Barucki thing for me. And we talked about this before with things like. Um, Derek Fisher and with things like other players that were sort of on the fringe just sort of having to get cut the way that Brian Brocky got cut it's like the, the it's not crunch time for like the guy you like to have around or the guy who is here because of relationships like it's we're, we're cutting to another level where those guys it's not enough you're gonna, if you're going to be a lefty on this team you're going to have to get left-handed hitters out consistently yeah and you know the idea of Moreno and sort of finding out what you have is like he's still the number four prospect in baseball. Absolutely. So, and as you say, he's 22. I think maybe I'm not trying to say I'm down him. I think it's a guy I'm not going to say and say I've watched a lot of Buffalo Bisons games this year to really know. But, right. Yeah, it's, it'd be, I think it'd be very interesting to. I guess when you're winning, it's also the right time to bring him up. I guess is my point. That's right. That's right. Everybody's hitting, so he would be, he could hit ninth and be good defensively, and that's and you'd be like, all right, just get your feet wet. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna. It's enough positivity, I think. Okay. So I'm gonna switch, ask. Switch gears, somebody. Jake. I'm gonna ask you twenty qu- minutes in. I'm gonna ask you a question. Sure. <laughs> How many weeks do you think it is before Hyunjin Ryu is shut down for the season? Oh, yeah, I think I think like we're going to we I think we're in for 3 weeks of like um getting one update a week and then there'll be like a he go, you'll hear about him maybe going out for a session and then I think it's shutdown time. Whenever you hear he's going to another specialist and we don't know what's wrong, well, it, which, and it was like they re, they reported, and he, listen, you can you take what you want from the official team statements, but like the, they gave they gave shoulder and forearm, correct? Yes. Am I wrong in that? Yeah, inflammation, so. I believe. But they That's also but good. they also said that there was somewhat positive news, but they also don't know what it is. So, so I'll say this. <laughs> yeah, I'll say this about Ryu though, uh, and I said this a couple times. I expected all along that Hyun we, Jin Ryu was going to miss most of one season of this contract. Yes, it's just a shame that it's this year I would almost argue the opposite in that if there was ever a year that they had the pitching depth for him to miss the year yeah, it is this one I suppose you could say oh the 2019 or pardon me 2020 when it didn't really matter that much but I think his presence actually did mean a lot to the young players on this team and, and sort of him and Springer obviously coming in and sort of being like listen people outside of the league see this core and want to be a part of this and the team you know, it, it certainly proved me wrong twice about the kind of moves they were going to go out and make. So um, he has pitched. He pitched better in the in the in the time that he was back from his first stint. Um, but I'm not. It's not. It doesn't spell disaster to me because it also was like if that basically means now that they're going to pursue uh, starting pitching aggressively, I'm happy with that too. Because the transactions for pitchers is always fun. That's true. And as you said, we know they're going to go after bullpen pieces. Because every good yes. team does, and they're a dime a dozen, and we they're going to try to set the market on bullpen pieces. I feel, yeah, and then get another one late. And we know they're going to go get a left-handed bat. Now you'd have to be shocked. Basically, what I see them trying to do is like, I kind of get the actual version of Dexter Fowler and not the off-season PTO guy. Right, go get the the version of that the actual that type of player. I kind of think they're going. Maybe a little less money-wise, but more or less, I kind of see them repeating last year's trade deadline with Simber, sure. Richards, Barrios, and Dickerson. I don't. It's a damn good. That's a damn good deadline. I don't like, think they're going to crazy. I don't think they're gonna, I obviously don't think they're going to go and get another like he's here for seven years guy. 
Like, yeah, they might they might not get as high as Barrios, but still. But as you pointed out, they probably don't need that this year. Yeah, they have a one through four. Never never hurts to get one more. No, but I mean, look, if they're gonna go and get Luis Castillo, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, don't do that. <laughs> That's the drum I'm banging all year. I know. Well, at least you switched from Luis Castillo as the throw into the Joy Votto deal to starting with <laughs> Luis Castillo. Well, no, they still need a left-handed left bat. <laughs> I wasn't Listen, Joy Votto's above average hitter this year. He's, he's back up, 104 hours, uh, WRC plus. Since <laughs> the home run in Toronto, he's, uh, he's been great. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think those are the expectations to set. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, yeah, listen. Positivity abounds. Easy, easy week to get in and uh, talk about what's going right. That that much is nice. But yeah, still, still, obviously, left-handed pitching, uh, left-handed anything on the team is is needed. Andrew Vasquez, the like only throw curveballs, and then one out of every twelve of them gets <laughs> demolished. <laughs> no way to live uh, as your lefty only option when teams flip that and he, they just golf it out of the. And then you know they have had a, a, enough wear and tear on that bullpen that like guys like Jeremy Beasley are getting are starting to cycle through and guys like Vasquez and um you know they're starting to dig a little deeper into that into the into the depth chart on the relievers so yeah I think definitely you're right it, I would definitely feel better with a couple more guys in there I think you're right and you go get a, you go get a proven veteran and maybe try to get I wouldn't mind seeing them really trying to get a high end like a real ass kicker um like sort of great relief like the Braves move for Craig Kimbrell kind of thing Exactly right. Going like really try to get the best possible reliever available. Yeah, um, that's what I would sort of like to see them do. And I think maybe I think maybe we'll see the my prediction here. Official prediction is the Blue Jays will set the trade market, which I think I've already said a couple of times. But they're going to set the trade market by trading for a left-handed reliever. They'll make they're going to make the first move, and it'll be a left-handed reliever, and it'll be like an early, probably not an elite one. I think they they like Mesa a lot as their as their lefty guy, but. They're going to go get a, a pretty good left-handed reliever and set the market, and then and then we'll see where they go from there. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I'll tell you what else I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see the Yankees lose some fucking games. <laughs> yeah. I'm f- f- really, like, too early for me to be actually annoyed by it, but right. frustrating they won 11-14 and actually lost ground. In the division, it's amazing. The Yankees are playing incredibly well. Number one offense, number one defense. Um, yeah, tough, tough times. This is listen. This is what a hundred win teams do, though, right? This is sort of the as much as as much as you know. I understand the talking point is like the Yankees have played a soft schedule, but it's like a lot of the teams have losing records because they lost to the Yankees a bunch. And the other half of it is like, yeah, the Yankees are going to be a hundred win team, and a hundred win teams beat up on bad teams. That's what they do, and that's been. The key to the Blue Jays run here. They're they're eating bad teams up. And and we're sitting here after 11 of 14 against pretty bad teams and being like the Jays look great because they're doing the, <laughs> yeah. this, this is what it is. This is what being a contender contending baseball team is. You get LA on the ropes and you put your fucking foot on their throat. You get Kansas City who rebuild is taking forever and you've already lapped and you put your foot on their throat. This is sort of the beauty of this race. And uh yeah, the Yankees it's crazy every day you check and and the pitching staff has been uh, unbelievable up and down for them, but yeah, it's it, it's going to be a good race at least, and at least they're not, at least not getting their brains beat in. I think the Yankees are going to have a cold snap. They always have. They've all turned on Gallo. There's going to be a, there's going to be a cold snap coming for the Yankees. Plus, I'm sure maybe you saw this one, you didn't, Jake. The 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 newly formed um, like everybody hates Josh Donaldson. I was revelations. Say, Josh Donaldson single handedly tearing the Yankees' clubhouse apart is. That great piece from the from Minnesota, out of Minnesota, pretty so funny. good, so the, good. The Minnesota piece, the Liam Hendricks quotes. It's, yeah, uh, man, it's good stuff. Uh, okay, we'll take a quick we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll re- re-energize. Jake, I want to take a second and thank everybody who said nice things about the Russell Martin video from last week. It was very nice. I enjoyed it. It was super nice, everybody. And I want to thank uh, specifically the people that listen to this show for saying nice things and tell you from the deepest, bottomest part of my heart 
that uh, that video came directly, directly, if you're listening to this, it comes directly from your support. If you listen to this show, my decision and uh, the drive for me to do that video is because you listen to this show and you send me nice things. Because you remember last week, Jake, I was, I was sort of very open about like having a really dark part of that journey again, right? Just sort of being mm -hmm. like, oh, the, the boulder rolls down the hill one more time. Uh, and in just talking about it and then receiving some great messages from people, uh, including one we're going to read later on in the reverse mailbag uh, at the end of the show, just like really meaningful stuff that really reinforced everything I had said last week. That the reason I do it is that like I believe that the listeners to this show and the listeners to our stuff connect with us in a way that they don't with regular sportscasters. And uh, even in just saying that and receiving the love back from people, I sort of it sort of clicked for me as like what I what I should be doing more of in terms of showing people who I am and sort of it's great to come on here and and talk to you and talk to the people that listen to this show and sort of have my takes here, but it's. Uh, I, I got to start sort of stretching my uh, the words that I'm saying here and the, the emotions that I'm getting across to the people who listen to this show in this great community. I sort of have to broadcast that to the world by um, thinking of a way to do that. And that written piece and like I have a couple more th ones written that I have the base outline for that I am not promising any sort of schedule, any sort of consistency. I'm just going to do them because I like doing them. Um, it was like it was great and really inspiring. So thank you to everybody involved in that. That's it. It's great. I'm excited to see. Um, yeah, Jake, how was your week? How are you? I'm fine. Uh, a little tired today, but that's okay. Sure. Gray days, you know. Uh, no, yeah, rain. Big time rain this morning. I had a nice social weekend, which is. You're getting out. Summer. You're getting out. You're coming out of your shell here. In it's the a little summer. summer. Yeah. It's a, you know. It's also sort of the uh, post-COVID blessing and a curse, and that thrilled to. Right be able to see people and, and do stuff, but then also, like, I'm so tired. Right. But uh, can't, hard hard to complain after the last two years we've had, though. Uh, so For I sure. Uh, but no, I think that was a good week. Uh, nothing particularly exciting. Just the Blue Jays are winning, and life is good here. And, yeah, it's just a nice, a nice first week of June. Uh, got taxes coming up this week, which I'm a little... Uh, little nervous about because my now you have a tax man right i do have a tax man yes i have a new trying a new tax man this year it's my wife's tax man she has used for a long time and her family has used uh it's not just it's not just you don't just go to h and r block you're like no, a no. professional it's a, it's a man i've never met or spoken to uh awesome but uh yeah i was getting a little nervous because my main source of income is untaxed so i usually get killed a little bit uh, right hoping that it just won't be as bad this year as it was last year uh, but yeah, now I have right. yeah you know. I I went through that last year for the first time where I went, like my I, my freelance money was basically half of my income was was freelance money that was on tax and I was like shit I'm gonna get I and I completely forgotten it had been so many yeah, years since right. I've been a freelancer completely forgotten I was like oh my god I'm gonna get absolutely crushed here it won't be as bad uh, I'm also I mean I, I think you saying you're, you're doing your taxes means you're behind on your taxes no I no. I actually have till next week because self-employed deadline is a week later. No, he's mid-June. Oh, wow. So I, so I have go. eight days. <laughs> not nearly not nearly as bad uh, this year. I sort of held down taxed employment on the side as well. So awesome. But yeah, other than that, uh, you, you know, usual brain stuff with our professional lives and whatnot. But, <laughs> everything okay? Yeah, I'm, everything okay? Anything, anything you want to extrapolate? Listen, I, I feel bad, Jake. I take up all the. No, no, the, no. You shouldn't, feel, the, you shouldn't feel bad. It's good that you're stretching. All the therapy here. No, my, my only thing is that I am trying to not. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? I'm trying to not uh, let bitterness overtake being happy for people. Right. If that makes sense. I understand that. I understand that feeling. It's like they're, they're, Morrissey has an old song called We Hate It When Our Friends Become Successful. And I think about that a lot. Mm. Where it's like, obviously, I'm thrilled for all our friends. And as we, as, and you, everybody, as you said last week. Everybody doing well deserves exactly, it. Exactly. Everyone worked real hard for yeah. it. And it's great. But I think it's also a um, product of social media, too. Because sure, like no, nobody posts their failures on Instagram. Right. Except like us. 
but yes, <laughs> but like obvious. So obviously, everything you see of people in your life on Instagram and Twitter is like, look at this sick thing I'm doing. Right. And like I know, we all know that's not a hundred percent of everyone's day. Not close, I would say, Jake. Right. Exactly. But I'm I am finding it harder to just be able to be like, that's great. Which I right. don't like. Which I don't like. And it makes me right. feel bad as a friend, and it makes me feel bad as a person. But right, because you know, not only not only do you know the person earned it, you also it's not even like a hey, not everybody posts their positives. Like you know that person and know that right. they have things that are that are going wrong with them. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I also think that people should celebrate their successes online. Of course. Um, Be thrilled, proud. But you know, it's just—I think it's just like it's just that time of year, or just not that time of year. There's no time of year for it, but just sort of that, just going through that a little bit of like, just trying to not let it be pure. Like, it's just like it's a it's an ugly side that I know exists in my brain that I don't particularly like. Right, right. But that's it. I got gotcha. you. You want to, you want you also want to celebrate your successes and be celebrated for them. I understand. Yeah, understand that would be fully. lovely. <laughs> yeah, man. Listen, I I understand fully. This happens to me. Um, this happens to me. I've noticed more and more um, with people, and maybe you'll relate to this. You probably will. Um, people having weddings, people um, going on honeymoons, just like didn't happen for us. Right. And, like at the yes. time. At the time, we were like, hey, we're doing our thing, and this is an awesome thing, and I, and I loved it, and I wouldn't change those days for anything because they they're the greatest days of my life. But also, like, oh, man, we didn't get to have a party where everybody came. We didn't get to go to uh, all these places because we then had <laughs> – between then and now, like, that, uh, two years have passed. We've had, to, we've had to do things in two years. We couldn't stop our lives because we hadn't had the party yet. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so – it is challenging because you are thrilled for the people that are getting married and you're thrilled for the people that are joining you in a husband club and people that are, um, you know, going through similar things than you are and seeing your friends find love to the level that you find love and found a partner. It's awesome. But you're also just like, shit, I, you know, we didn't, I didn't get any toast. I didn't get a toast from my parents. It sucked. That's, um, a great, that's actually a really good way. I hadn't thought of it in that context. And I think you're absolutely correct. Your fatherhood update that I feel you know, indebted to bring on another another bit of it. They continue to be very heavy. Obviously, Jake, they're very heavy uh, realizations. And oh, I thought you meant the baby. I, I thought you meant the baby was getting heavy. No, I mean yes, up up to eleven pounds. Um, and like getting, he's uh, seven and a half weeks old. So, um, it's so funny. Seven and a half weeks is long enough that stupidly you you start to think like got it figured out a little bit right because it's like he's been around almost two months like every single day, and not just two months every single day 24 hours a day two months right we've known him we don't exactly everything he's done for 53 days in a row but also like seven weeks in a human life is nothing <laughs> <laughs> zero it's zero time you you age seven weeks are you are you remarkably different than you were seven weeks ago no Probably not. no not especially uh, it's no, it's not time, and you know this, and I know this so much from every other time this has happened to everybody else in the world who isn't me. How many times does your friend or relative have a baby, and you're check, you're on Instagram, right? It's like, oh, they had a baby, and you're like, oh shit, the baby's three months old, right? I didn't even notice anything, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, baby is not yet three months old. Every single day of this, twenty four <laughs> hours a day, has been hyper aware. Um, so, you know, you're constantly being called on your bullshit there and thinking that you have any strategies, anything going on. Because, again, I, said it, I say it often, he continues to grow. So, like, even if you do have something figured out, it's like, yeah, but that was something you figured out for a version of him that was literally half as smart as he is now, right? Because it right. was three and a half weeks versus seven weeks. He, he, he didn't know how to feel things. You know what I mean? It's sort of like it's crazy to constantly change. Um, but the heavy realization this week, Jake um, – you know, it's very up and down right now, and the ups are very, very wonderful. When you battled the crying baby for like 
35 minutes and then he falls asleep on you. It's like the greatest thing that's ever happened, probably ever in my life. Um, and, if, and then when you transfer them to laying down and sneak out of the room and they stay asleep, it's like, it's crazy what, a, what a accomplishment that feels like and how satisfied you are. Um, but also the downs are very, it's very, 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 very worn on. You're just like, it goes on all day and it feels like it's never going to happen and, and you just like are completely defeated by it. I, and this is similar to, I think, the, the, the end of the beginning of the realization I was having last week where I talked about my safe places and my retreats and, and the things that I escaped to when things were going tough. Um, I was talking to Drew Fairservice about this, as a matter of fact. Um, the reality is that, that I have to be a better person. I have to be a better father. I have to be a better husband. I have to be a better friend. Uh, it's just sort of how it, – it's, it's the answer to sort of what has to happen here for things to go a little bit better than they, than they could be going. Huh. It's the honest, honest to God truth. And it makes a difference when I when I show up in that way. It it is it makes a difference, and I know that is true. And that's something that I wouldn't have thought. I mean, maybe I did. Maybe maybe that's what fatherhood is, and maybe that's what growing up is. But I was sort of you have those you know in the way that I was feeling the other week, where I was like, how do I balance this these things? And the answer is that I had to pick being a, a, a better husband and father. It's just sort of like, that's the answer. <laughs> it, it, you get less of the anguish the other way when you know that you've taken care of that, when you, when you, when you aren't carrying around the like having to do two things at once. We're like, okay, I'm going to handle the, the really insanely hard one that makes everybody else's life easier. Mm. Um, you just have to do it. It just sort of, it makes everything easier. Frankly, it does. If I'm just there and, um, I was trying to explain this to somebody else, and I think I ended up explaining it to myself the way that always, the way that wonderfully has to happen. Um, my wife and I, I think, are an incredible couple. We're a great pair. Um, in the ways that we our strengths and weaknesses are different, we pull each other towards the middle in a really beautiful way, right? Um, I everything's ever happened in my entire life. Basically, <laughs> my reaction has been like, "It'll be fine," right? You know, I mean, it'll be fine. I sort of fall back to like. Just go with the flow, and we'll get it. We'll get it done, and we'll be okay. It's sort of like what I have sailed by on for three and a half decades. My wife, on the other hand, is brilliant and hardworking, and if I just work a little bit harder, has been the answer to everything in her life. It just sort of has been how she has had such great success in school, getting her masters, uh, in the in her career, being uh, you know shifting gears and shifting disciplines in her career, and doing it with such excellence and excelling in her field. Um, just work a little bit harder has been the answer to everything for her. So we're a nice little elastic band where I can help take the edge off of some of the small stuff on the side without without dimming her drive. I can sort of be like, hey, you know, let's not worry about that that other small stuff. And she can pull me back towards, you know, if these are the things you care about, work hard at them. It's sort of very simply like if, if you care about this and you work and you worry about this, work at it is you get better at it is sort of the answer to a lot of my problems um but what, what what was happening with some of the really really hard times with the baby is we weren't pulling each other towards the middle we were, we were sort of going more extreme in our each in each of our directions if you understand what i mean mm. where for her it would be like every problem is potentially a, a major concern because we don't know and uh, we should learn as much as we possibly can. Whereas I, and I'm like instinctively going to my well of like, it's nothing to worry about. Let's not worry about it. You know, it'll, it'll be okay. What I need to do is take many steps her way and show that I, it's going to be okay because I am taking control of this. I am helping. I, I will take him and you can lay down. Uh, uh, what what a, a change has been like, um, she, you know, she, she feeds every four to six hours, right? Pardon me, three to four hours and sometimes four to six at night. But that means a lot of the time there's a feed at 5.30 or 6 a.m. Mm, right. And that's the toughest one because he will have been sleeping all night. So after that one, instead of falling asleep after feeding, he generally like wiggles around and just sort of is awake, half awake. What I have to do is pick him up at 5.30 and take him downstairs with me and just like 
be bleary eyed from five thirty to ten a.m. <laughs> That's what I I have to do. Just feel like my wife shouldn't have to sit there for those five hours and like have the baby half awake. Right. I need to just take that and 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 instead of being asked for it because she would never ask that her instinct is just to do it. I need to just step up and do it, and it's made a difference. And it's so it, that's one example, but it's just like stuff like that, just sort of um, you have to be better as a partner. It's just sort of if you want it to be a good experience. You know, I've, I've realized and, and have have uh, humbled myself in front of. I mean, I think that's uh, I probably have a very. I'm glad you're learning that lesson only this time in, rather than. Like it getting to a point where it's a problem. Sure, you sure. I mean? um, so yeah, I come home from work absolutely thrilled to see him every day. It's I'm excited. He's getting he's getting closer to like person. You know, yeah. He you know he exactly right. Having a little, starting to develop a little personality and, and having things that he likes to do. And right now he's sort of awake, looking around, or crying, or sleeping, and sort of like. He's going to start being awake, looking around a little bit more, and he's going to start growing and, and making noise and talking, and it's going to be awesome. I, I can't wait. Um, so yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing that, and it's been really nice. Sort of. I uh, and listen, I'm not I'm, I'm not fucking dad of the year, and I'm not a hero or like looking for any praise here. It's just sort of like a realization I need to be a better partner, and not that. See, I think I think that's a stupid attitude. I think there's no such thing as like that attitude and the fact that you know you guys are figuring it out and showing up and making it work that's enough got the got the basement clean got the garage clean go. this weekend Look at oh that. my god yeah yeah great unbelievably perfect the, the first i'll say this the first perfect garbage put out that i've ever had in this house i perfected it this week perfect that's great. Hit the exact max amount of bags. Hit the got rid of every piece of cardboard in my basement. Unbelievable. We finally got a garbage, my studio. a garbage bin. So uh, big week for garbage you're, all around. You're going, yeah, you're going there. voicemails again this week not again but no voicemails give me a week. scream screaming guy i mean lowest standards in all of blue jays podcast next week i want to scream i want just easiest access to airtime in anywhere in the city unbelievable 833-714-7774 we'll listen to it we'll play it i don't we don't listen to them before they go on the air so <laughs> man it could be anything on there we wouldn't know find out yeah, we would, we would find out in real time with everybody else listening to this show. We'd all be finding <laughs> out together. But nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to dial 833-714-7774. Be on the show. Easiest call in in the biz. Lowest standards. You say it, we'll play it. Anyway, Twitter mailbag. Uh, Nick Healy says, which Jay would be most likely to have been part of the Dangerous Knights crew at some point in his life, past or present? If you don't remember, Dangerous Knights crew is uh, from, I think you should leave season two. The Sloppy Stakes guys is Dangerous Knights. <laughs> I think it's got to be, it's got to be Alec Manoa. The Florida, oh, Florida, and Matt Chapman. The grew up in Florida energy of that crew to me uh, exudes, exudes. The lighting. I think the it's how, I think it's how Matt, Matt Chapman goes out because we know he doesn't hang out with this crew. Interesting. He doesn't. He doesn't seem like he's <laughs> he's with these guys. Well, maybe like really young George Springer. He doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just George Springer when he goes out with like Vlad and Bo now. Yeah. Could right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Uh... I revisited. Did you? I can't remember. I think you should leave season two something that came and went in a flash yeah. after all the hype of of, of the first we one. Watched, I revisited it. We watched it exactly uh, one time. Yeah, and I did too for like almost a full year. I can't remember when it came, when it came out, but I revisited it um, the week after my son was born. I rewatched it all, and I was dying laughing. I was like, "Damn, this is much funnier than I remember it being." I feel like now that um, the sort of um, non-stop barrage on the internet of it 
Sure. I feel like that's. I think now is the time for me to go back. I think now is a good time for me to rewatch it because I feel like even when season two came out, I, I, I had like a bit of a guard up by with, through no fault of the right. show, but I entirely through the officeication, if you will. I, I will uh, of the show, uh, and I feel like I couldn't allow myself to fully just take it in for what it was on its own merits. Uh, but I feel right. like now I probably can because I I feel like that's sort of died down a bit, save for useful hot dog memes and whatnot, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, uh, I'm with you, and I I think I was in a similar vein. I was unfair to it because I was. Immediately comparing it to a season that I had I had watched probably fifteen times, right. right? So I'm like, it should be as it should be as funny as I find the not jokes in a scene that I've seen, you know, double digit times. Yeah, I think that's yeah. The sophomore follow ups always hard when the debut is is good. Absolutely. Uh, Garrett Swan asks us, "What's the th- hardest physical thing you could accomplish with a torn pectoral muscle?" Cody Rhodes, in WWE. Uh, wrestling with a mangled pectoral muscle. Uh, absolutely hideous, gross-looking injury. Um, how's your pain tolerance for things like torn pectoral muscles? Uh, I'm going to surprise nobody and say it's yeah. not high. Uh, a fact I actually learned there. this weekend uh, a little bit. I was I play softball every Sunday. And this Sunday I was playing and I, I played the outfield and I dove to make a catch and landed... Uh, the, uh, the the outfield grass in the park we play in, as huh. we play in a downtown park in Toronto, uh, it's not so much grass as there's some grass on top of just essentially hard concrete dirt. Right, yeah. Uh, landed on sort of my pectoral shoulder area Ouch. on the ground. Uh, I'm fine, like slightly bruised, but I'm genuinely totally fine. But for like the rest of the day, I was like, man, this really hurts and I don't like having to move it or be outside and not be sitting down on the couch feeling this very slight pain. The uh, listening audience needs to know, did you make the catch? I did. a boy. But it wasn't worth it. I'm going to I'm going to be honest, it was not. Sure, this, worth the so, it. the weekend softball catch wasn't worth the like week of injury. It was not <laughs> worth it. I I must have popped the boys and girls on the team though. Must have had must have had the folks howling. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. This is yeah. my way of trying to cover up the fact that I have no pain tolerance by saying I'm right. catch. Yeah, my wife and I joke about this a lot because my wife has an like, insanely high pain, pain tolerance, uh, whereas I have, like, none. I, I feel right. like I used to have a pain tolerance, but then I think my body caught up to the fact that, like, I haven't really suffered that many hardships in my life. And it was just like, right. you, know, you don't need to have a pain tolerance at all. It's the emotional pain tolerance that you've got. Yeah, inside the heart is black, black as soot. But the the calluses on my, the hands are soft, baby soft on the outside, hardened and yeah. smoky on you the inside. Take, you could take a gunshot wound to the heart. That's no big deal. <laughs> Just stay away from my extremely soft hands and face. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, me too. Obviously, I'm not torn pectoral muscle. I would be, I would be, I would be, uh, I would be taking painkillers and laying oh, down. Oh yeah, yeah. My my um, wife is in near constant pain because uh, of the disease she has, and I will stub my toe and complain to her, and uh, she doesn't like it that much. Okay, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna come back with it's reverse mailbag time. It's your turn to tell us what your answer is to our wonderful questions. Uh, after this. Jake, last time you... You decided to make the viewers get in, listeners, that is to say, get into our headspace and ask them uh, an extremely deep question. Do you remember what you asked people last I do week? remember because I've been looking forward to this all week. Uh, I asked them to tell us uh, when they did or didn't realize that they would achieve their professional dreams. And how did it feel? What an, inc- what an incredible thing to say to the, the listenership, to pose to them. 
We're trying, like you said, we're trying to find our niche. Pushing the envelope. Um, do you have an answer to that? I think we sort of answered it in the middle. There. I think, yeah, I think we've answered that question pretty. I think my entire career has been answering that question. Twenty twenty six years of answering that question. Which is to say, cre- creeping bitterness. Is sort of the, <laughs> way, the words that you put on it so finely. <laughs> uh, and yeah, listen, I, I, I. Um, I it was very much a coming to terms with I've I've changed what that means to me so many times in my life that that maybe that, so maybe that's the answer in the in the bigger picture is like um, when that has happened to me in the past I sort of change directions um, sort of I, I tend to like try to set up a new goal for myself as quickly as I possibly can but I've also had a bigger goal in mind this whole time and haven't let go of that yet so like even stuff like. Um, deciding to not do stand-up comedy, right? right. To, to pursue that and then stop it. Um, even that was like stand-up comedy with with the direction of wanting to get into sports, right? right. It was always like, I wanted stand-up comedy to help me be funny and write funny and think on my feet and speak at a rate that people can understand what I'm saying. And like... I'll tell you this, um, Thank you. Uh, y- you know... I had to give up the part. Listen, could I do? I, that doesn't mean I don't sit here and think like, could I? Could I? If I had work ethic, could I be where John Cullen is? Where like I have this awesome career and I also have this other awesome career. Right? I have both of them, and I'm like, I do comedy festivals and I'm a successful comic, and I have a podcast about sports that's very good that people enjoy, and it like is my other part of my career. I wish I wish I had done that, but it's sort of like. I knew myself well enough at that point to be like, I don't have the emotional capacity for this. I don't have the mental capacity for this. I don't have the like, the ability to compartmentalize and organize my life in the way that John does. He's so talented at um, approaching things in, in the way that he needs to approach them to have success in those fields. And it just like, I just accepted that I wasn't wired like that. And um, listen, I'm I in the last 15 years, I have... I have uh, been aggressive and then quit and then have been aggressive and then quit and then been aggressive and then quit more times than I can count. Um, so that sort of is – that can be my comfort zone and my trend to do things. But I think I'm getting better at that and getting better at identifying that weakness and, and trying to address it. So I guess it's a long way of saying is I haven't – I don't know if I have given up as yet on this specific run. I have in one's past though. I'll tell you a quick story to answer the question from my end. Sure. Uh, it's not really an answer to the question. It's just where I'm at. When I was 22, uh, I moved back from Montreal from school and very much half-assed trying to be an actor again. At a time sure. where I could have uh, taken it, t- had I taken it seriously and had the, as you said, mental and emotional capacity to do so, uh, could have turned it into a real career at that time. But I didn't, and that's actually how I ended up falling ass backwards to working at Barstool North, uh, which is how I met you <laughs> and many of our friends. Uh, outside of meeting our friends, I uh, can put open judgment on whether that was a good move or not. But uh, <laughs> then I went back to acting when I was 25. And what I learned is that uh, clout and uh, credibility go away very fast. Right. Uh, to the point where last week I found myself standing in my living room doing a self-take for a Twisted Tea commercial singing to the tune of House the Rising Sun about a alcoholic drink showbiz for baby. a commercial and <laughs> I'm just going to say choices have been made I guess <laughs> but we haven't given up yet to your point but boy Boy, oh boy. I guess. It gets dark when it's dark, man. It gets dark when it's dark. Um, yeah, look at us. And the great answer comes into to the reverse mailbag at the Gmail account, which is less than jays at gmail.com. This is from a listener named Colin, who uh, I made sure to send to you this email because it's so beautiful. Um, seven really deep, touching paragraphs about our show, about... Um, you know, patting me on the back for the way that I had doubted myself publicly about the show and sort of the importance of it in the week prior and some great stuff about you. He's been listening. He's, this guy's all the way back. He's a uh, 
backhand shelf listener. That's crazy. I really enjoyed Jake on backhand shelf. No one, you got you. No one enjoyed backhand shelf. That's crazy. You brought Colin to this show. That's the reason he listened to the show because he enjoyed Jake on backhand shelf. Uh, Never missed an episode, Uh, even the extremely long unproduced ones. Immediately post score (laughs) (laughs) in three hours, and the mic would be wrong. Um, really awesome. Really awesome. Uh, Basically, gives a summary of of. Um, how he's grown along with our show and really meaningful and really, really cool. Anyway, it was, Colin it was actually gen- genuinely extremely lovely. I tell you, I turned my week around. I, the very next day I turned around and, and started writing that Russell Martin thing. So uh, thank you, Colin. And then Colin goes on to give a very thoughtful answer to the reverse mailbag. He says, at the, I was convinced I wanted to be a computer scientist from elementary school. I spent high school commuting an hour by bus each way in order to, in order to attend a specialized high school around computers. I was accepted to the U of T computer science program, and I immediately failed calculus. Not entirely my fault. Fucking sociopath scheduled first-year calculus at 8 a.m. on Monday and Wednesday morning, so I could not stay awake for a single full class. Listen, you were grinding. Uh, then I failed, or dropped because I was certain to fail, three more math classes before realizing I could just not hack it and abandon my dream as I had carried uh, as my core identity for at least a decade. This is also my first experience with failure in an academic setting. Some of that can be contributed to not not knowing how to work hard. I had cruised through every level of school at that point on raw talent and zero effort. And some of it can be attributed to late teens, early 20s shitheadedness. I vaguely remember straight up forgetting to do a midterm exam. (laughs) Been there, my friend. I Listen, I relate to basically all of that except for the like ever being good ever doing good at school in spite of it i would (laughs) i was good at doing just enough in school but i totally get the like you get you get to a certain level and everybody you're with the level of the class is like yeah you work hard at this that's how you get great at this and you were like wait what like i I never had to do that i got through like i i got into everything without doing that um i always talk about how I, i like just didn't do homework for like 10 years um because I could do well enough on the tests and anything in class, I could do well enough to get a 65 in the class. And that's all you need to pass is get a 65, right? And it's like, that was so great for so long. And then it was like, okay, but the homework is the learning of the stuff. That's where you're actually learning the things. And once it came time to apply that shit, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I yeah. never learned how the... to like, I didn't, I never learned to like cram and study and, and I never learned to acquire knowledge over time, right? So I would, the, the night before, I'm like, okay, I got to learn all this shit. Where it's like, if I had just done the homework every night by osmosis, it would have just been in my brain. Uh, The note I got on almost every report card from grade one to grade 12 was, could be really good at this if he'd just apply himself. Yeah, we decided to be creatives. That was was our shortcut, right? We were like, we wanted a creative feel because then we can bullshit it. And it's like... Yeah, but sometimes the hardworking kids come to that too, and then you're fucked. Yeah. Um, uh, I want no to one tell told me that would happen. I thought I could just fucking I know. coast. And and we have coasted. That's <laughs> true. Sure. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say we haven't coasted. That's a great point. Uh, I want to tell you that this was absolutely devastating, but it's hard to separate the devastation of failing something at so core to you. I want to tell you that this was. Sorry, pardon me. I want to tell you that this was absolutely devastating, but it's hard to separate the devastation of failing at something so core to how you see yourself with the general feeling of devastation that pervades so much of how you feel at 21 anyway. It's not a coincidence that my high school girlfriend also dumped me around that time. But I am comfortable in saying that, regardless of the time-to-life filter, it definitely sucked. I spent a couple years wandering the wilderness, academically speaking. Turns out I can absolutely not hack it at university-level French before I wandered into a 20th century European history class and and discovered that, one, I love lectures, which are basically just people telling stories for two hours, and two, I'm a really good academic writer. In fact, I was good enough that I was able to drag my GPA that was a hair away from probation high enough to get into grad school. I turned that history degree into a master of information, met my wife in the process, became a librarian, and I've been wildly successful at it. More than that... I'm now doing something I think I'm really, really good at, which is creating the conditions for others to do great work and develop into something great. Shit doesn't always go the way you want it to, but that doesn't mean it can't end up being great anyway. Colin, that is beautiful stuff. Truly, the 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 three paragraphs of reverse mailbag and the seven paragraphs of note to us is truly one of the most meaningful things anybody that has ever consumed any of my content has ever sent me. Uh, a deeply affecting message that will stick with me for years to come, I am sure. Yeah, I mean, it's the fact that anyone 
cared enough or has the thought enough to answer that question so honestly and so deeply and so many details uh, is great. Like, just means, I think it means more to us than uh, can really be expressed, I think. So that's how you do the goddamn reverse mailbag. There it is. We got one answer, and it was a success. Bar set. Bar set. Uh, it's your turn. I will throw. How are you? Fun? I will throw out the reverse mailbag for this week. Your reverse mailbag for this week. Um, I want to know what is your prized possession, and if you would like, tell me a little story about it, either how you Ooh. got it or why it means so much to you. Send us that at less than Jays on Twitter. Hell, call it to us, 833-714-7774, or email us something long and touching like Colin did, lessthanjays at gmail.com. If you want more show, you know where to find it, patreon.com slash lessthanjays. Uh, that gives us money for doing the show, which we think is fun and good. Uh, you also get a little extra show at the end. But if you listen to this, you probably already know that. Uh, that is it for another week. Thank you so much. We will talk to you again uh, next week. I have already predicted that. Gabriel Moreno will be on the team. And the Jays, also going to predict, will still be kicking ass and taking names and winning baseball games. Thank you so much, as always, for being a part of Less Than Jays. Mm-hmm.